Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Do we even need to read the Book of Mormon to know whether or not it is true? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We've been going through this article written by Mr. Mark A. Matthews, who's involved with the LDS seminaries and institutes, and he wrote an article, How Do I Recognize the Spirit? And as we've mentioned throughout this week, that can be challenging at times, I'm sure for Latter-day Saints as well as for New Testament Christians. How do we know for sure that something that we may be thinking about or possibly doing is really a prompting by the Holy Spirit of God? In yesterday's show, we were talking about how Mr. Matthews points to Moroni 10.4 when it comes to knowing whether or not the Book of Mormon is actually true. And as we walked through that yesterday, obviously some of the necessary components for knowing whether or not the Book of Mormon is true is you have to pray about it, first of all, but you have to pray with a sincere heart, real intent, having faith in Christ. And naturally, when a person says to the missionaries that they've done that, but they did not feel the Book of Mormon is true, I've asked missionaries this. They are thinking that probably you came to that conclusion because you didn't have a sincere heart, real intent, or even maybe your faith in Christ is a little bit lacking. But do we even have to read the Book of Mormon in order to know whether or not it's true? There was a 70 back in 2004 that gave an interesting story about a woman who came to the conclusion that the Book of Mormon was true without even reading it. What is that story all about, Eric? Yeah, H. Brian Richards gave a talk, Remember the Teachings of Your Father, that was printed in the Ensign Magazine for a conference edition, November 2004, page 96, and this is what he said. I recall an experience with a zone leader in England who came to me during the lunch break at Zone Conference. He said, We are teaching a lady who is blind and nearly deaf. She wants to know if the Book of Mormon is true. What shall we do? I did not have an answer at that moment, but I said, I will let you know after our conference. During the afternoon session, I had the distinct impression come as to how to help her. After the meeting, I said to the zone leader, have the sister hold her copy of the Book of Mormon and turn its pages very slowly. When she has done this, have her ask if it is true. Though she could not read nor hear the words, she felt the spirit and power of the Book of Mormon, and it changed her life. When I hear that story, it's almost frightening. She doesn't even know what's on the pages. But yet, without reading it, without verifying anything in the book, she comes to the conclusion that it's true. Am I totally out to lunch on this? But wouldn't most rationally thinking people say, that's wrong, that's just wrong? Bill, what if she, at the end of 
turning the pages very slowly, she said, well, I didn't feel the Spirit. I didn't feel the power of the Book of Mormon. It's nothing to me. How do you think they would react? They would probably just dismiss the whole episode and say, well, that didn't really get us what we wanted, and so let's move on. But you're right. Whenever it doesn't go the way that they want it to go, then naturally they just have a tendency to dismiss it. Boyd Packer is cited in this article on page 9. Boyd Packer was an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He died in 2015. Mr. Matthews cites him as saying, If all you know is what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears, then you will not know very much. My question, I guess, is, well, would we know enough? You see, I I don't know what they really mean by a lot of this vague language. What am I supposed to know that Boyd Packer thinks is so important? I can only assume that I'm supposed to come to a certain conclusion that is going to verify the LDS accounts or the LDS story. Well, certainly, we, we've talked about Moroni 10.4, that's a prayer about that, but aren't you supposed to actually read the book first? That's using your natural eyes. Aren't you supposed to try your best to comprehend the spiritual truths in there before you pray? I would think so. And when I look at our Bibles, I would assume, for instance, when I'm reading the Gospels, that Matthew was trying to relate the stories as clearly as possible so that people would understand what he was putting on paper. Packer seems to give the impression, though, that that doesn't seem to be enough. And I'm wondering, why isn't it enough? What else do I need to know unless it's something that seems to be outside of the parameters of the written page? You see, as Christians, that would become problematic for us, but it certainly is not problematic for Boyd K. Packer, and I assume it's not problematic for Mr. Matthews or even problematic for a number of other members of the LDS Church. But one thing we do find that's emphasized a lot in this article is the feelings aspect. And if you've ever talked with Latter-day Saints about what they believe— you're probably going to notice that a lot of them are going to tell you they know what they believe is true because of the feelings that they've had. I recall visiting Temple Square, where our missionary tour guide asked the group, how do you feel when you stand here? And of course, we're standing in front of the Christus statue in the big rotunda on Temple Square. For me, I'm not feeling a thing. doesn't affect me in that way, one way or the other. But for some people, maybe they they get this uh, spiritual buzz out of looking at a statue. Are they drawing the conclusion that that statue proves that Mormonism is true? I, I mean, I don't know what she's really asking, but yet I've heard them say that on more than one occasion. Bill Bright, a famous Christian many years ago, was with Campus Crusade. He put together a booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And in that booklet, I'll never forget because it was the most popular track that we used back in the 1970s and 1980s, was an illustration of a train. And it had three components to it. It had the main engine, the middle car, and the caboose. And so he likened it to the main engine would be the facts. Feelings would come at the end. Basically, his explanation was you cannot rely on your feelings because your feelings can deceive you. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. 
who can understand it? And Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Bill, I'm going to suggest that when you put so much emphasis on feelings, and when we are sinful people, we might be misunderstanding of our feelings not corresponding to the truth. That's why I think Paul, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 15, spent so much effort and time talking about the resurrection of Jesus, and he builds his case point by point about the resurrection of the body. And he says, if the resurrection did not take place, we're the most pitied of all people. We have no hope. So I think something about Mormonism that I've never fully grasped is how you can pray about something, and just because you believe it to be true, somehow, therefore, it must be true. Perhaps we should suggest this when you're talking with a Latter-day Saint. Whenever they try to use Moroni 10.4, as a proper means of discerning what is true, or even when it comes to the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon itself. Would you not agree that probably 99.9% of every ex-Mormon prayed that prayer about the Book of Mormon and felt as a result of that prayer that the Book of Mormon was true? But yet, they don't believe that now as ex-Mormons. Well, I, I can't say all of them probably would say they don't believe it anymore. But the great majority, at least the ones we've come across, have told us that they don't believe the Book of Mormon is an actual history or theology that they should follow. But yet, they did at one time when they became a member of the church. Think about that. With all the people that have left the LDS church over the years, especially in recent years, it could probably be safe to say, and I'm not going to say 100%, but most of them I probably should say, prayed that prayer, believed the Spirit was speaking to them about the Book of Mormon, and perhaps even joined the church because of that feeling. And yet we have all these references to feelings. For instance, under the subheading, Peace to Your Mind, it it talks about Oliver Cowdery. Mr. Matthew says, to help Oliver Cowdery recognize the Spirit, Mr. Matthew says, the Lord asked, Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? This is something that I've seen when talking to Latter-day Saints on the streets. Many times, they don't want to believe what I'm telling them because what I'm telling them conflicts with what they already believe. In other words, as this says in Doctrine and Covenants 623 about speaking peace to your mind, They'll say, I don't have a good feeling about what you're telling me. And they conclude, because they don't have a good feeling, that what I'm telling them is wrong, even though what I've just told them is from their own material. You see the danger there. When we use our presuppositions as our guide, we're usually not open to any new kind of information that can conflict with what we already believe. Now, I admit that when you hold to a certain position, it's sometimes very difficult to be totally objective, because we tend to believe the things we want to believe, you could say. Although, when I became a Christian, I remember my struggle. I didn't want to believe this stuff, because what I was reading in the New Testament, for instance, had a lot of bad things to say about me as the sinner I was and am, and certainly those things did not give me a peace. But yet, I really think it was the Holy Spirit letting me know somehow that 
I better go along with what the New Testament is saying about me, or there are going to be dire consequences if I refuse. Putting a lot of emphasis on feelings, as this article does, such as quoting Mormon apostle David Bedner, the Lord indicates that revelation frequently comes as thoughts to the mind and feelings to the heart. And of course, as in this context, are, are to be understood as good feelings or proper feelings. We're not covering every single section of this article, but I mean, let me just give you a few examples of the boldface subtitles. Heart burn within us. Feel that it is right. A still small voice. You hear this all the time when you're talking to Latter-day Saints. Those are buzzwords. And so it does come down to how do you feel about it? But as I mentioned, the Bible's very clear that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Always beware of your feelings, because your feelings can mislead you. An important thing that you said earlier, I think we should close on, Eric, is when Paul, for instance, talks about the resurrection. He uses evidence, and that's one thing that as Christians we often want to turn to. What does the evidence tell us? If the evidence conflicts with our feelings, it's best to go with the evidence. Now, sometimes there may not be a lot of physical evidence, with many of the claims in, let's say, the Old Testament when it comes to certain cities. But the fact that other places have been found that are mentioned in the Bible does give us at least a confidence that these are not made up. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.